We all have things that we want to do. Unfortunately, most of our minds are plagued with self-defeating thoughts that hold us back from accomplishing our goals. In this episode, we will go over how these thoughts become automatic and how we can use the same mechanisms to train our brain to automatically push back using self-empowering thoughts instead. You will also get an activity to find out what positive thoughts you would like to loop in your mind. I will discuss running from the work that we need to do and how we can both start to endure more negative feelings while also lowering the stress that can come with working on ourselves. Please enjoy the show. I think it's really unfortunate that it's when we are trying our hardest to better ourselves that our negative thoughts get the loudest. As soon as we start trying new things in hopes of living the life that we always wanted to live, our brain ramps up its arguments against us. Self-disclosure, I have diagnosed depression, so I relate to this in terms of the depressive episodes I have gone through. Depression is a good proxy for this part of the discussion because the depressive episodes will exaggerate my self-defeating thoughts and make them very prominent in my mind. I am personifying depression here, but it's as if depression projects my hurtful thoughts onto a loudspeaker to try and get me to believe them. While this takes a heavier emotional toll on me, it makes it a lot easier to identify what my self-defeating thoughts look like and has given me incentive to learn how to handle them. Here has been my experience specifically pertaining to script writing. There will be multiple days where I think to myself that I've been a failure for too many days in a row, and because of this, there's no way that I will be able to start succeeding. I viscerally feel like I'm incapable of being productive. Loops start to play in my mind of me wanting to do something. I remember that I'm going to suck, or I haven't done it for a long time. I then tell myself that I shouldn't even try because I will suck at it and then I wallow instead of making progress. Unfortunately for all of us, we can have a mindset that effectively is the same as someone who is depressed without having to be depressed. We can train our inner voice to be so self-defeating that it effectively gives us the same depressive debuff that someone with clinical depression has. We will talk about how to alleviate this soon, but first we should talk about how this happens in the first place. The negative loops in our head are there by virtue of repeating them so frequently. Though you'll learn that this isn't always your fault. Our reoccurring thoughts build up over a long period of time, and soon every time we go to do an activity, we are hit with the same beliefs that have defeated us time and time again. I watched a TikTok the other day that talked about the inner voice being like a trained parrot. If we can think about our inner voice as a parrot, it becomes clear that the thoughts that we hear playing in a loop are just a part of our mind that has heard things so many times that it starts repeating itself. I'm also going to pair this with something I heard from Dr. K, in case anyone wants a more scientific understanding of what happens. And a big caveat here is that I don't understand this science myself, but I understand what he said to mean that when we have repeated thinking patterns, we create a friendly environment to certain bacteria that will latch onto the parts of our mind that house those negative thoughts. Once established, the bacteria will start to perpetuate these negative thoughts without our conscious effort. The common thread between these two sources is that if we have the same self-defeating thoughts for long enough, we will continue to think that way even if we don't intend to. I'm glad that I learned about this because it allows me to not blame myself for the self-defeating thoughts I have and gives me an enemy to root against. You know, it's one thing if I let myself think I'm a failure 
but it's entirely different when a group of single-celled losers tries to do it. I also like that it creates distance between myself and the negative beliefs that are circling in my mind. So instead of simply believing the thoughts of failure outright, I can now think to myself, do I really believe the negative things I'm hearing about myself right now, or is it that pesky parrot? Before, I said that when negative thoughts are hyperbolized, it makes it easier for me to disregard them. Here, these ideas point out that the negative thoughts that my brain is feeding me don't always come from my conscious effort. So what we are going to do is train up a parrot to empower us by sending us positive thoughts, and I'm going to call it our protective parrot. I hear a lot about people giving into their thinking patterns and truly believing that they can't go against what their mind tells them. I'm hopeful that through this framework, you are able to identify the limiting thoughts your pesky parrot gives you and find value out of training a protective parrot to disagree and empower you. To do that, we are going to use the same mechanisms of repeated thinking to grow our positive self-talk. All that is needed is to build a repertoire of positive thoughts to counteract the bad thoughts and then train our brain to deploy them consistently. What this looks like practically is that our pesky parrot is going to say some hurtful things to us without our consent and our protective parrot is going to step in and say, whoa, 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 those things are hurtful and untrue. And then it will proceed to tell us what we need to hear. Exactly what you will want your parrot to say is going to be different than what I want my parrot to say, as ideally the words that we repeat to ourselves will be directly related to the negative thoughts looping in our minds. When I used to get really sad, I would sit down and journal about what I deserved, and this helped me figure out what I needed to hear at the time. In my journal, I would write things like, I deserve to feel loved. I deserve to feel like my effort matters. I deserve to not feel like life is so difficult each day. I deserve to be myself without so much judgment. And I would do my best to talk specifically to the negative feelings I was experiencing. For example, if I was feeling unloved one day, I would journal, I deserve to feel loved. I am lovable. I love how kind I can be. I have creative thoughts that are valuable and are worthy of love. I also would say the really hard-hitting statements out loud and repeat them to myself to make them stick that much more. This exercise is very cathartic and has allowed me to get out a lot of emotions that I would have otherwise bottled up. If you do this, you will start to see how uplifting you feel even when it's just you giving yourself praise and understanding. It will also start to build your personalized list of positive thoughts you will want to keep on hand. Once I find statements that make me feel better and supported, I would start to carry them around with me. Anytime my negative thought loop starts up, I pull out my paper or Google Doc and read over how I actually feel about myself. By doing this over the course of a week or two, this sets up the loop that my protective parrot will use as ammunition against the negative thoughts I have. Back when I really needed this practice, I'll admit that it did take some time before my helpful thoughts came naturally without me having to read them to myself. However, once it started, I was able to perpetuate them a lot easier. I would be having a bad day, and maybe someone said something to me that really hurt my feelings. I would be angry and sad, but those I deserve statements would start to pick up in my head and I would feel a lot better. This practice is also something that you don't have to do just once. If you find that this list you made is incomplete, or is unfocused, or you just want to do it again, I think it can be helpful to do this exercise more than once. 
So now let's think about what happens when we attempt to do the tasks we know we want to be doing. One of the goals that I have is to write scripts regularly. Let's say that it comes time in the day that I have scheduled to write scripts. What are the factors that I will have to contend with? By making a schedule for my writing, I'm assigning mental weight to the task by having a time in the day for it. I know I need to schedule scripting because I need scripts to have a podcast. Even if I write bad scripts, that still means I am making progress towards the polished script writing that I want to be doing, so the pressure should be quite low. I have every reason to believe that there is a direct correlation between me taking time to write scripts versus the success of the podcast. Because I have set this expectation for myself, I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't actually do what I set out to do. Then from the other side, I have all this pressure telling me that I can't do it. My inner critic and pesky parrot get their loudspeaker as the time approaches. He tells himself he's going to try to write. Can you believe that? He really thinks he's able to make a schedule and follow it. When's the last time he ever followed a schedule? He thinks he's so in control, but how often does he actually do what he wants to do? Never. There's no way that he's going to do this. Why write when you could just sleep? You know you're tired. Just take a nap. You can get to it later. Feeling both the strong desire to write, yet not feeling any motivation whatsoever, creates an internal struggle within us. It's almost like we get into a fight-or-flight response with how overwhelming these feelings can be, and most of us will choose to flee. And boy, are we rewarded for doing so. Instead of dealing with a midlife crisis and attempts to push buttons on a keyboard for an hour, I have TikTok. I can go on YouTube. I can get a snack that will taste good, but I probably don't even need or want. I can go on a walk and listen to an audiobook or take an app. The more possibilities I think about, the less appealing writing becomes. And the more that I give into these urges and choose to do something else instead, the more that I train myself that I'm not capable of dealing with the turbulence I feel inside of myself. So I do want to say that it is understandable why we choose to flee. But I do think it's advantageous for us to choose to go through with a task anyways. We have two avenues to make this easier for ourselves. We can either strengthen our resolve to endure that feeling for longer, lower the conflicting feelings that we have, or a combination of both. To start, we are going to train ourselves to deal with the mix of emotions that we have. I hear a lot of health channels talk about how to have a better mindset to prevent the flea response, but I want to start with what to do when we get like this. The first important step is to slow down. Imagine your emotions like a tangled up slinky, and remember that it's going to take time trying to straighten them out before you can go rolling down the stairs again. Start with a body check-in. Do I feel safe? Do I feel grounded? Do I feel comfortable? Am I feeling tired or hungry or sad? Are there a million other things on my mind? Or, and be honest, do you just not want to do what you need to do? Finding answers to these questions should be fairly straightforward when you are in the moment, and the next section will discuss the different questions affecting you. Going through our list, we'll assume the negatives of the question and I will offer potential paths forward. If I don't feel safe, grounded, or comfortable, there are two ways that I know that can help. The first is to start identifying everything in the room. Imagine that you are trying to teach an alien or a toddler the words for everything that you are seeing, and verbally place the objects in space. For example, there is a wall in front of me. 
On my desk, there are many different trinkets, including a water bottle, a mic stand, and headphones. To my left is my computer tower. And keep going until you are feeling more at ease. This is a grounding technique for things like panic attacks, so it's used more often in high-stress situations. What we are doing is shifting our focus from the panic or unease that we are feeling and getting our brains to focus on our immediate environment, which both distracts and shows our brain that the things around us aren't dangerous to us. The second way to deal with feeling ungrounded or uncomfortable takes the opposite approach. So instead of focusing outward, we will focus in on our feelings. Any mindfulness technique will work, but I start by laying on the floor or sitting in a comfortable way and do a body scan. This time I'm focused on the parts of my body and individually focus on how they are feeling. Everyone usually starts with their feet for some reason, but if you want to start randomly, I doubt that will matter. But let's say that I start with my feet. I start asking questions about what each part of my body is experiencing. What do my toes feel like? Am I able to sense my socks on my feet and the blanket that is on top of that? Can I feel the floor under my feet? Slowly I will start working my way up and eventually I will get to a problem area. Maybe I noticed for the first time that my back feels funny. I adjusted my position and found that I was distributing my weight in a painful way. Let your body tell you what's wrong. It's always sending us signals and sometimes all we need to do is to take time to listen to understand what's bothering us. Moving on, let's say that I'm hungry, tired, or sad. I think here's a good time to remind everyone that self-help is a marathon and not a sprint. So when I find something that is wrong, it's usually a product of my larger habits rather than this being a one-off event. So if I find that I'm hungry, is it that I just so happened to miss breakfast this morning, or do I not even have any meals in the house that I enjoy eating? If I'm tired, is it because I had to stay up late last night and couldn't get to bed at my normal time? Or am I consistently changing my sleep schedule or not sleeping when I could be? I think when we really look at it, many of us will find that the problems that we are experiencing at the moment are problems that we face all the time. So rather than me telling you, go eat, go take a nap, or have a nice cry, I will say to do your best to accommodate to the needs that you find yourself having all the time. Pick a breakfast food that you can have prepped the night before that you can just throw in the microwave when you wake up. Make sure that you stay up until your bedtime without taking a nap so you can more easily fall asleep at the time that allows you to get a full night's rest. Or schedule a regular time that you are going to grieve or work through your sadness that you feel each day. I don't want to give you a temporary solution to a larger challenge in your life. I would rather encourage you to find a proportional response to the problems that have been affecting you. So if these problems are chronic, make sure that you have a recurring solution as part of your routine. And if it's not chronic, yeah, feel free to have a snack, lie down for half an hour, or call someone to vent. If there are a million things on my mind, the best advice that I've heard is to simply write them down. Helpers will recommend this activity for people with ADHD. The paper or computer document that you put your thoughts onto is supposed to take the burden off of you and put it somewhere else. So instead of all these thoughts cluttering your mind, you transfer them somewhere that those thoughts are still accounted for but that you are no longer responsible for remembering. If there are things that need your immediate attention, feel free to get them done. 
And if you do find yourself writing a whole bunch or needing to pull out a sheet of paper every time you sit down, consider making journaling a regular habit of yours. Again, if you are having chronic problems, it's going to serve you a lot better to have chronic solutions. If after all of that, and we still aren't wanting to write or work on our chosen task, it probably goes back to the contrasting pressures from our wants versus the negative thoughts we have about our abilities. As basic as this may sound, I want you to first focus on enduring the negative feelings that you're experiencing while also making attempts to work on your desired activity. You may not be able to endure the feelings for long at first, but if you have ever worked out, you will know that your muscles often get much stronger when you regularly push them. Our attention and ability to do menial activity acts much like a muscle because the more that we can stay focused on our task and not give in to running away, we teach ourselves that staying is possible and we are training ourselves to stay. The second thing that we can do is to mitigate the negative feelings that we have towards doing our preferred activity by making it more exciting or rewarding in contrast to the rest of the day. Let's talk about the opposite approach for a second. Not to sound like an out-of-touch person, but what happens when we bombard our minds with highly stimulating media on the daily, be that TikTok, Netflix, porn, or games? Our brain gets desensitized to stimulation and we will require more and more rewarding tasks to not feel just the same level of happiness, but sometimes even happy at all. Therefore, when we go to do something that isn't highly stimulating, like writing scripts or working on ourselves, our brain doesn't care about it at all, which can increase the resistance we have to doing it. By taking time in our day to do nothing, I will slowly detox my mind from dependence on highly stimulating activities. I never like to give things up, so rather I want you to think about break times as a welcome addition to your life. And I say chunks of time for a reason. I'm not spending whole days meditating in a cave. I will simply take 15 to 20 minutes anytime I need a break to reset myself by sitting in silence, observing my thoughts and feelings. I know that I need a break when I have been working for a block of time and I start to heavily lose focus without anything cueing me to be distracted. For example, my phone didn't ring, no one came to get me, and nothing but my fatigue took me out of the moment. I know at that point I am in need of resetting. I use this time to let my mind wander and process the day that I have had thus far, including the work that I just did. It's also time that I can use to work through any issues that I'm having with a spouse, think about how I want to spend the rest of my day, and generally just gives me space to recharge my mental battery. Here's an analogy I will use to ground this idea. We have GPS these days, so this scenario doesn't happen for the most part, but imagine you are trying to drive somewhere and need to figure out which route you are going to take. Most of us won't have a co-pilot to do this for us, so we are going to have to be the ones who are entirely responsible for plotting and carrying out our journey. By never taking time to reflect and do nothing, it's like if we hopped in our car and just started driving. We could probably get to our destination eventually by trying to figure out our path as we went, but we are going to be taking wrong turns very often while also not turning when we need to be. Instead, it will be much more efficient to pull over here and there to pull out a map and start looking for the right course of action. Luckily for us, pulling out our map is as simple as not doing anything. Our brains are extraordinarily good at computing without us realizing. There have been multiple studies researching this phenomena. There's good evidence to suggest that sleeping is a great way to consolidate what we have learned that day 
where people are able to perform better the next day by virtue of sleeping. Taking breaks to walk or to meditate is less efficient but still an effective way of consolidating what we have been doing and helps us get better when we return. I also said that it was as simple as doing nothing, but to people who are overstimulated all the time, doing nothing can be yet another activity that people run from. I was watching Dr. K and he used the example of trying to eat or to go to the restroom without a phone. The Twitch chat who were watching him asked, can I at least read while I'm in the bathroom? He said that reading is okay on its face and can be less stimulating than a phone, but to really ask themselves why they needed to so desperately escape from sitting quietly for 10 minutes. And I think it's important to call out this behavior and ask what is so difficult about not having stimulation for even a very, very small part of the day. The desire to not take breaks comes from never giving ourselves rest, and eventually our brain starts to believe that we need more things occupying our mind to feel comfortable, even when it's actually draining our ability to focus. Speaking of books, though, why do you think it's harder to read these days than it was when we were in grade school? I hope you can start to see that alleviating that need for constant stimulation is not solved by giving in, but instead to take time to do nothing and sensitize ourselves back to normal activities. Compare our culture to the cultures of the past. They didn't have the internet, let alone social media companies, occupying an eighth of their waking hours. Again, not to sound out of touch, but they were able to do much more boring things because everything was boring. There weren't these really exciting things everywhere, but at this point in history, being able to withstand boredom is like a superpower because it's so difficult to attain. When we don't need highly stimulating activities to engage with everyday life, so much opportunity opens up for us. Imagine if you were able to easily put in the work to learn a skill, clean and do repairs on your house, or build a company. Taking 10 minute breaks in your day to do nothing gets you one step closer to being able to do that and more. Our discussion for this episode revolved around several ideas that act as a major hindrance to our growth. The first is that many of us have reoccurring negative thoughts about ourselves. I explained these in terms of bacteria or a pesky parrot repeating back the negative thoughts that we have even when we don't want them to. Using the same mechanisms of how the negative loops were generated, we learn how to give ourselves a protective parent using I deserve statements and repeating the list we came up with when we start to think badly about ourselves. I then talked about having expectations for ourselves and comparing that to our previous performance causing conflict in our minds. I discussed potential solutions such as slowing down to do a body check or putting labels to our surroundings. I talked about matching the consistency of our solutions to the problems that we're having. So if I'm having a chronic problem, it's going to be best if I find a chronic solution. Next, we discussed writing down our thoughts and making journaling a habit if we see that we need to do this often. Finally, I talked about working on our endurance of negative events to build up that muscle while also taking time in our day to do nothing. Both will help lower the negative pressure we feel when we need to get boring things done. I hope that you have found today's discussion to be useful. Here at The Metamorphic Mind, I attempt to give the listener practical advice and empowering viewpoints so that more people can live the life that they want to live. You can do it. Your life can be what you want it to be, and I hope that this episode gets you one step closer to the life you want to lead. Your life can be what you want it to be, and I hope that this episode gets you one step closer.
If you would like to support the channel, consider following or subscribing to never miss an episode. Your engagement helps the channel reach more people and lets the platform know that the channel provides value to its listeners. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Peace.